Hello and welcome to the Go Sell Something podcast. I'm Rob Murphy, and here at Affinity, we multiply your profits by helping you build and optimize your workforce in sales and in other skill sets as well. We have with us today Mr. Jeremy Bolton. Jeremy got his master's in finance from Alabama in 1999 and then started his career in asset-based lending at Compass Bank, which is a job that really combined financial and sales skill sets and was his first taste of sales. After that, he worked in a commission-based sales job with MEC, selling in a global capacity. He was selling circuit board manufacturing and turnkey manufacturing to people all over the world. And that job took him to Ireland, Europe, Asia, everywhere. And after that, came back home and dove into government contracting in 2008, uh, and then in 2009 became an Army civilian. He's worked for the Army in various roles. Uh, One of those roles that I'm definitely going to ask about, it's extremely fascinating, foreign military sales, selling Blackhawk helicopters to allied partner nations, managing that supply chain, crazy stuff. I'm really interested to hear more about that. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you, Rob. Appreciate the opportunity. You've had such an interesting career, and I've got to start with the Blackhawk helicopters. And I'll start with, I guess, my most inappropriate question: What does a Blackhawk helicopter cost? I would tell you it costs more than an annual salary. Right? <laughs> so several millions of dollars, various models, different amounts. Sure. Um, and so a lot of that is proprietary. So yeah. you can't really go into a lot of that detail. But yeah, a lot of people say for military sales and they they think it might relate to, you know, an individual going out on a commercial sales call. Um, and it's really nothing like that at all. Uh, and that was kind of my impression of it before I got into it as well. It's really kind of government to government, um, working at very high levels within the security assistance chains. And, and that's uh, kind of the avenues where the governments work. It's something that um, our ally partners come to the U.S. and and they're interested in either a certain capability. Uh, so with us in Blackhawk, it's a utility helicopter, uh, can perform various utility missions. The governments will decide on a case manager. Uh, and within that case, uh, that's how they, they manage each country. So you might have a file on a customer that you have. And in this scenario, we would have a, a case on a specific country as the customer. And then with that, there are various things that they're looking at. They're looking at, uh, again, logistics is what I dealt in, supplying uh, with supply chain, parts, pieces, training for the Blackhawk. Uh, how are we getting that on contract and then getting it through the contracting process? Uh, that's always a major long pole in the tent when dealing with the government. Right. Man, I can only imagine the complexity of that and having dealt a little bit in just in government stuff in general, I can barely imagine what all has to go into that process. Your, your background is so fascinating, man. And you have had the traditional commission sales job. You've had kind of the combined sales job with asset-based lending. You've done the government version of sales, government to government. And, you know, it's interesting. You say that you never even planned on being in sales and, you know, you got your master's in finance, what happened, man? How'd you end up in sales in the dark side? Yeah. So in college, you know, I had this finance background and I love playing around with the stock market. And in one of my master's level courses, that's what we did. We had a certain amount of, of funds that, that the university let us manage. Wow. Um, so that was pretty cool. 
And we, we made money for the university, picking different stocks and mutual funds and different things. And, and my big plan was to come out of college, go work in the stock market somewhere, maybe be a financial planner, and, and then uh, just continue down that career path. Coming out of school, that did not come to fruition. There were several recruiters on campus at, at Alabama where I graduated from. A uh, little plug for Roll Tide there. Huh. Um, so I know Rob's going to hate that because he's a, a big UT guy. It's not my favorite. <laughs> um, so these recruiters said, hey, uh, why don't you come work for us uh, at XYZ Company? And so in talking to them, what, what it was is they were looking for people to go out and, and do sales functions, cold calling, you know, feeder calls, different things like that. And I kind of pumped the brakes and was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Like I'm fresh out of college. I don't have the experience, you know, who's going to listen to me, you know, young guy here. So then I, I, I graduated school, went to go work at Compass Bank in Birmingham and um, in doing asset-based lending, what we would do is, is the bank had certain certain clients and clientele. And we in our office would go out, check on their books. But in doing so, you're the face of the company. Uh, we were the face of Compass Bank at the time. Going out, having one-on-one meetings with presidents of companies, vice presidents, uh, CFOs, dealing with their finances, things like that. Um, and so it's in that job where it kind of clicked that, hey, even though I don't want to do sales, I'm doing it. Sure. Um, and I think that's was my first realization that, hey, it's it's really about relationships. So no matter if you're the eight to five, you know, guy or gal sitting behind the desk, you're forming relationships in your company uh, on the phone call. If you're the person at the front door, uh, however you're interacting, um, whatever's going on with you personally, uh, those things do affect your relationships. Um, and so that was something that I became aware of at a, at a young age. Absolutely. And I love that you bring that up. And the more that I grow up and have kids and work different jobs, it is so true. Sales is in everything we do. I'm selling my three-year-old on doing what I want her to do. You know, I mean, you've got multiple kids, you know how that goes. And, and in every job I've had, uh, there's been a sales component internally and externally because you got to sell your ideas to the people you work with and you got to sell your product to the people who can benefit from it. And it really is true. Sales permeates so much. And it's interesting because, you know, there's really no sales college degree. Nobody goes to school to be in sales and yet it's, it's so, uh, so prevalent in everything we do. It's interesting stuff. So what would you say, Jeremy, was the coolest moment or memory of your sales career? Um, I would say when I was working at MEC, a uh, manufacturer rep company in, in Huntsville, I was probably three, four years out of college and I was offered um, a partnership within the company. And so, you know, amazing experience. You're 26, 27, you know, vice president in a small company, but had a significant role, wore, wore many hats. And um, so that was that was interesting to, to see the, the ins and outs of, you know, you're working, you're working payroll, you're working marketing, you're working, where is the next customer coming from? You're having to look out for people within the company at, sure. at an early age too. Uh, so to get an appreciation for being able to wear all those different hats in a small company, uh, that's something that you won't get in a big company mm-hmm. uh, right off the bat. So that, that's something just to think about for those who are interested in, in sales. Absolutely, man. 
tell us on the other end of the spectrum, what was kind of the biggest challenge or lowest point that you've dealt with? I always learned so much from hearing what challenges people have faced and overcome in sales careers. Yeah. So I really, it was more on the, uh, I guess you could say preparation um, and on the travel uh, aspect. So in, as you mentioned earlier, one, one of these positions was an international position. Um, and I had a trip that was supposed to literally go around the world in 10 days. Initially started out in going to Hong Kong and in China and then in Malaysia. And then from Malaysia, I was supposed to go to India. Uh, I show up at the airport and I see folks with three pieces of paper in their hand and I only have two pieces of paper in my hand. Oh no. Um, and I could, my stomach has a sinking feeling and, and I get up to the counter and they say, uh, you know, passport and airline ticket. And then where's your visa? Mm. Uh, my answer was what visa? Oh no. <laughs> so that was one of those low points where, um, you know, just in being early in my, my career at all, um, we didn't have in a small company, you didn't have someone who, who was going to go do your travel for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you had to set that up. And so that was one of the things that I missed is, Hey, if you're going to different countries, there might be visa requirements. Uh, and so never got to see that customer had to call and, and cancel the visit. So wound up getting that worked out, made the next uh, couple stops on the trip, made it home. But it was one of those calls that I had to make back to the home office uh, that did not go well. And, he, and here I am literally on an Island in Malaysia wow. right, uh, by myself, having this conversation, no one else there. And you really did feel, I felt alone at, at the time. And so that was a low point. Absolutely. So the international aspect, I think that's such another fascinating topic as well. And I even remember back in college one of my courses with international business but i feel like it's one of those things you can't learn about it unless you try to do it i mean what did you learn in in your efforts overseas what was different what was the same i mean what were those relationships like as you went to different places met new people with different backgrounds yeah that's that's a great question um i, I will tell you that no matter where i traveled when you when i came back to the united states I always felt like the United States was still the best country in the world. Mm. Um, and I don't know that people appreciate the United States as much. I think that's a component that people have lost. But I think if you were to travel um, and you see the different rules, regulations, things that people have and don't have uh, compared to what we have in America, I think it's a great, great country and, and should be proud of that. That's number one. Uh, number two, the people. It was great seeing different cultures, mm -hmm. um, great seeing how, how people met and got together. One example would be in Ireland. We would go visit customers and we would go out to dinner at night with, with a customer. Dinner there uh, may be different in your household and it's typically not what we would do in, in America, but they would have, uh, they would go to a restaurant or a pub bar and that's kind of where their dinner reservations were. Small, kind of family-owned establishments very community oriented and we would sit there and um, have a beverage while we were chit-chatting for about an hour so it's like you would be in the um, if you're in the lobby at Applebee's <laughs> it's like you're sitting in, in, in the lobby at Applebee's for an hour waiting for your table <laughs> but to them it, that was part of the dinner hmm. right is you're sitting there talking to each other then you would go to your table and so that was that was something that that was different that that I hadn't experienced before 
And then uh, one time over in China, I uh, had, had a couple meals over there. And that's one thing that you may run into if, if you are come across different cultures. Uh, you're going to get different foods and things that you're not quite used to. <laughs> sure. Right? One of those that I had was um, fish stomach soup. Whoa. Fish stomach soup, um, I hate to say this, but kind of smelled like a jockstrap. Right? <laughs> um, so it was uh, really unpleasant to the nose. And, and that was something that, that they were serving as a meal. Right? Wow. And over there in China, uh, a lot you, of things don't go to waste. Right. And you don't want to be rude and decline you it. You don't. And so you, you, you eat it, you take a, a, a you try it uh, as best you can. And then you go back to your hotel and order the Western hamburger. Right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I got, I got through that trip uh, on room service. That's crazy. Man. But a lot yeah. of cool stuff over there. Uh, one of the best things I've had that I that I've never had is a uh, shark fin soup. Really, um, wonderful, wonderful meal. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah, I I really have not been cultured, been over to too many foreign countries. It's really always interesting to hear stories about how that goes, and you know, yeah, just the different cultures and customs and um, fascinating stuff. I love what you said too about the United States because I feel like. You know, there's so much political charge around everything that's wrong with our country, you know, and, and I really, you know, I'm, I'm not super educated when it comes to what other countries really are like, but I do absolutely believe that there's so much energy around what's wrong with our country and how to fix it that I think a lot of times it just lends itself toward taking for granted what we have. Right. And, you know, and I do have some limited experiences in other places. Every, every place has its problems. And, you know, let's just not lose sight of what we do have that other people don't have. So I love that. What would you say, Jeremy, to somebody who is looking at getting into a sales career, you know, whether they're considering, you know, a change of career path into sales or whether they're a young kid coming in for the first time, you know, what have you seen that, that kind of lends itself to success in a sales format, whatever it may be across all the different types of things you've done? Yeah, I, that's a great question. Uh, if I were looking back at myself 20 years ago from where I am today, uh, I would definitely say, hey, l- let's go find some of those opportunities that you think you might be interested in. Mm-hmm. Hey, I think going to, to work for um, Nike would be great. Uh, then, then let's find someone in the athletic arena that can help make those introductions. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think it goes back to relationships. If you're interested in banking, find a bank contact that you like, go work for them for a summer, try to figure out, um, in that internship. Um, I would strongly recommend internships cause I, I think that's a great way to figure out how businesses work. Um, is that something I truly am interested in? Is that something I can get excited about every day? Um, because if you're going to go work for a job, make it something that's fun that you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a great way to do that early on before you feel like, Hey, I'm stuck in a job and I can't get out of it. Absolutely. No. And I love that you said that one of the biggest roadblocks in my career was my lack of internships. And not only did I not really know what I was getting into when it was time to take the real job, but also people want to see it on your resume, you know, that you've gone out and and done something like that. And there's also a whole lot of, uh, you know, there's this big push now about, you know, it's unethical to have somebody on an unpaid internship and, you know, they're taking advantage of you and that's just wrong. I mean, 
you gain so much and this is not a pitch we don't have any unpaid interns here at affinity so this is not some kind of you know push that everybody needs to come work for us for free but you know you gain so much from that experience and you know another way to look at it too i know for me is hey if you're especially at a younger age if you're able to get an internship with somebody and just learn from them it's so much more valuable than $10 an hour or whatever it would be. I mean, there's people right now that I pay a whole lot of money for their advice and to tell me what to do. And they would probably offer up a free internship to somebody young who could learn from them and gain a lot of that knowledge. And, uh, so I love that you brought up internships. That's about it for our time. I don't want to run too far over and, uh, I know you got things to do. So, Jeremy, thanks so much for spending your time here today. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you to everyone who listened. Appreciate your time. I hope you learned something. I know I learned a lot. And hope you have a great day. Go sell something.